Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Gabby Reese Show. It's all an experiment. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. My guest today is NFL superstar Nate Ebner. And Nate has a new book out called Finish Strong, A Father's Code and a Son's Path. And Nate shares his journey from rugby superstar. He even played in the NFL simultaneously to playing in the 2016 U.S. Olympic rugby team. So this is a hardworking, go-get-em athlete who also shares his tale of his relationship with his father, the things he learned from his father and how his dad was unexpectedly killed when he was 19 and at college and uh, just how he dealt with the grief and how he decided to use that pain to live in a way that is that he wants, but that he knew his dad would want for him. So this is for anyone who's worked hard at something, who's lost someone, and, you know, Nate's story is very inspiring. Enjoy. Even when you're feeling the best, best, and everything's the best, best, how hard it is. It doesn't happen very often. You probably feel good at the very beginning of the season if you're lucky, and then you kind of, you deal with something all season long, you know, so. I want to obviously get into your book. I read your book, and I want to talk all about that, but... I would love to actually know, and, you know, once people hear you share your story and kind of your, your philosophy, I think they're going to realize that you're really good at managing, it's an understatement, sort of discomfort and that relationship with discomfort. But when you are here right now, where you are in this moment, what do you, what are your, what, how do you manage that and navigate through it? Because a lot, most people don't, they just quit or they run away from it. Um, well, one, I lean on my past experiences that I've played through some tough stuff. So I know if I can just get to Sundays, then I'll have a chance and honestly try not to, you know, go into panic mode on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, when you don't feel good um, and just manage that as best as you can. You know, it's, it's tough though. I'm older, so I kind of get a little bit more of a free pass to, uh, this is my 10th season in the NFL. So, you know, when I can't practice like some of the other guys can, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, when, when I was younger in the league, if you're missing practice for something, you feel like it's a huge detriment to not only the team, but you know, if you're going to play that week or not. So, um, but now being older, it's more of a mental game. Um, so I, I lean on that a little bit more, but, uh, really just trying to take it day by day is, is the only way, but I'd say this is, you know, as as difficult as it's been for me to manage, you know, week to week and get myself in a position to play. But like I said, just one day at a time is really all you can do. You get too ahead of yourself and then, you know, you start to panic and think about stuff that it's kind of out of your control. So I try to try to as best as I can stay in the, in the moment and just work on that. I think people don't understand, especially because time, age, things like that, with, with sports, but I think it's also interesting. You just said it where you earn the right to kind of go, Hey, you know what I need to, and people, you, you know, I need to kind of maybe manage what I'm, what I'm doing. I'm managing my days and my recovery or whatever. And you have enough respect or, you know, sort of proven toughness and success that you can do that. Um, but I always love how then people try to make age such a narrative when in fact, you know, I, I also think that that gets forced on people. Like, I think you start early and then you have to prove yourself. And then all of a sudden it's like, now you have to prove, um, on the other side. And it's, I, my husband is quite a bit older than you and he's still doing his sport. And I think because he's not on a team, he can like avoid that narrative, you know, a little bit, he can just do his thing. Like I'm going, it's no coach or anybody, but you know, I, I think sometimes outside people don't understand all that an athlete like you in, in the sport that you're in, there's just a, there's a, you know, a lot of things to deal with besides, 
you know, from play to play, it's all the, all the things around it. And, um, and I sometimes feel like that's almost as hard as, as the sport itself, you know? Yeah, no doubt. I I mean, I think being a veteran, you know, you earn your stripes a little bit, like you said, when you play through some stuff, uh, people who've been with, you know, um, what you'll tap into when it, when, you know, the lights come on. Um, but yeah, as a younger person, that's something you kind of got to earn your stripes with. And I just think that's just the trend of uh, all the athletes before you. You know, unfortunately, we get put in a box relative to everyone else that has played. And um, and until you prove otherwise, that's just kind of where you're at. If you're a young guy who's hurt all the time or, you know, can't can't play, you just become unreliable. And, um, you know, that's that's not where you want to be. If you become an older guy that is you know like my situation we don't practice as much but you can't seem to do it on the field either uh then that age narrative like you said comes into play i think uh you know with the age thing it's it's a real thing but it's it's dependent upon the person um you know i've seen guys get injuries in their early 20s that you know affect them to the point where they have to retire very early on um i've been kind of blessed with that to be able to keep going but um you know, then there's there's other guys who play forever and it seems like they're never hurt. And I think it's just so individualized, though, because in those cases, you know, maybe those players aren't running or hitting. You know, everyone likes to talk about Tom uh, Brady and, and his longevity, but he doesn't he doesn't have to run or, or hit like we do every play. It's it's so different. I mean, it's not even comparable. So, um, yeah, I mean, everyone's situation is different, um, but you know, lucky for me, I've been able to continue to play through it and still when Sundays come play at a high level and, uh, you know, there'll be a, there'll be a time that, that won't, that won't happen. And, and it will be age related. Um, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like, I have a question that just always curious, like, you know how it's like, okay, seasons and practices and, you know, pre-seasons and then, you know, travel and competing we often have a conversation in our house that we wonder sometimes if athletes get tired of that more than actually the playing of the game first. Like when you've done it, you sort of go, okay, the game is also part of, it's my business a little bit, but it's, it's that, that, that kind of scheduled out part of it that I think someone as if they become a veteran, they almost get tired of that first before the game, before the play. I mean, to me, what you're talking about is just the grind of being a professional athlete and it absolutely is a grind. I was talking to someone recently, a friend that didn't realize the hours we put in. Um, you know, I'm, I'm up at five 45, I'm in the building so early and I, I'm there till five or so. And that's kind of the work week and that has nothing to do with Sundays. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not a grinder, uh, being a professional athlete is going to be tough for you outside of just the competition on game day. Right. I mean, we can all rise up for that moment, but the, the work you got to put in, whether it be the meetings in football or, you know, taking care of your body or traveling. Um, yeah, it'll wear you out if, if you're not built for grinding. But um, I think like, again, everyone's threshold for whether it be physical tolerance uh, pain or it be just the grind of, of everyday life. Uh, something's going to give eventually. And, you know, for me, I, I happen to be a grinder, so that doesn't seem to really wear me out. But uh, I can definitely say the, f- the physical side is starting to take its toll. And that's really more where my focus is managing more than, you know, can I can I go to these meetings all day or can I travel week after week after week? Um, you know, I know there's at the same time, too, you know, the NFL, it stands, we always say it stands for not for long. And it's not a long yeah. career. And I've been blessed to be here for 10, but um, you know, some people was just like, you know, you're not going to be there very long. I guess I would say, you know, it's yeah. whether it be 10 years, two years, you know, 12, I know the end is coming. So for me, that's what I think about when it comes to the grind is, you know, at some point here, I'll be back home and I won't have to do all that. So I, I can suck it up. But the, uh, the physical stuff, some you got to deal with every day. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, something's going to give eventually. So. They, you know, besides obviously you're, you're very, I mean, you have a book out called finish strong and, um, you're obviously very intense and I, I want you to share your story. I also think you're kind of a late bloomer, obviously when you, you play a little bit of football, but then you decide in college to play at a big university. I also feel like that potentially could lend itself to 
you being here now because you know, you just didn't do that all the way through high school and then all the way through college, that there's something maybe really like a, like a natural gift to you that you, you sort of picked it up and then having rugby as your other sport, which you have to be so highly conditioned for. Um, so that's obviously never, never been an issue for you. So I want to, I want to go into, to, you know, just a little bit of your story for those people who don't aren't aware of it. But before we leave football, you know, I was talking to Brian Peters and he said that he, he had, he was having a conversation with you and talking about, because a person could read, read your book as I did. And there's sort of a very, um, not only a suck it up in a good way mentality, but just like deal with it and let's go. But he, but we were, he was saying that in, within the conversation you were talking about in the competing is, is the vulnerability, right? Like that's where, you know, and I'm not going to translate things for you. I was just kind of curious, you know, what that means. If that's the place that you say like, okay, I'm hanging it all out here and, you know, I'm living and dying by it. Like, what did that mean? Because I think from the outside, people will look at, at Nate Ebner and just be like, that guy just handles at every turn. Yeah, uh, that's all, there's a lot there. Um, to answer your question about the competing is, is really where the vulnerability lies. You know, we kind of got to that point basically on the idea that to put everything you have out there and, and you could potentially fail, um, there's a lot of vulnerability in that. You know, people talk about that with relationships and, and putting yourself out there to, you know, really give someone, you know, everything about, you know, who you are and whatnot, and, and you could get hurt. And it's the same thing when you think about competing is if I'm really going to put everything out here and give everything I have, there's still the chance you're going to lose. And how are you going to swallow that? when you know you gave everything you had and it wasn't enough. And uh, it's a vulnerable state, especially when you're not, you know, you come to the highest level of really anything. Um, but you think about football and it's just like, there's some monsters out here and, and there's some beasts and you're going to take some L's. And, you know, that's just, uh, that's just part of competing. But you, for me, uh, you know, taking an L or, or losing and being vulnerable is, is worth the success. It's worth the uh, potential that I, I could do well. I could, I could make it work. And I re I mean, really, that's really my whole story is not being afraid of a failing. And, um, you know, to go back to kind of what you said about, you know, not playing football and that kind of allowed me to maybe grind through it a little bit longer than others. You know, I think about, you know, the 2016 Olympics going to play rugby, that break, from from football was really big for me and I don't think I really realized it until I came back um, because it was refreshing to be back at football but the grind of years and years and years of doing it over and over again it, it'll wear you out and uh, having rugby was huge but at the same time on the other side of that you know I've competed at a high level since I was really 16 I was on the junior national team and it's really kind of all I know and um you know, I've, I've grinded my whole life. So it's kind of just been something that's kind of innately in me. Um, and I think the football walking on was just another opportunity to really see what my potential could be. And uh, I wasn't afraid of, of failing. I always just thought, you know, if I don't make it, I'll go play rugby. If, if you know, I do, like I could be in the NFL. And that was something I really wanted through college. And then I got there and then I I wanted to play out my rookie year and I wanted to, you know, really, you know, say I've made it. And then, you know, long story short, here we are 10 years later and I'm still playing. So it's, uh, it's worked out, but it's all been because of, you know, the not fearing failure at the end of the day. So I, I think it's, but that's also because you were young and, and maybe we could, we could dive into your book and it's, I, I mean, it's, it's as much based on you as it is your father and the, your relationship and kind of some of the, you know, quite a few of the lessons that you had either being around your dad or from your dad or being in those environments, because I think it, sometimes those environments teach us without a bunch of words. Um, yeah. First of all, why writing a book is not easy. Why did you write a book? That's a good question. Um so I would go back after the NFL season and I'd train at Ohio State and uh, Urban Meyer was the coach there at the time and you know, I'd met him a couple of times and then obviously I had the year where I went to the Olympics and, you know, 
came and had a great football season, was all pro and won the Super Bowl, and it was just like a really good year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Urban, yeah, Urban, you know, came up to me and was like, that, you know, you need to tell your story because he knew about my dad. He knew about Ohio State. He knew about me being a walk-on. Uh, and then obviously he heard about that the year I had, and uh, he was like, you need to tell your story. And I kind of laughed it off and was like, sure. Um, you know, it's something I've kind of always thought about a little bit, but I think uh, the following year I ended up tearing my ACL. And uh, I was like, you know what, I'm going to hit him up on that. So I hit him up and, uh, you know, here we are a couple years later, I got, I got a book out. So it's, it's, it was a fun process. It was, it was hard. I didn't realize how hands-on I needed to be at first. It was kind of like, I kept myself a little distance. The writer would write some stuff and, you know, I had to get a new writer cause I just, you know, didn't work out. Then another, you know, the next guy that, that Paul who wrote the book, you know, we, we were distant and he wrote some stuff and I just, the voice wasn't what I wanted it to be. It's you know, kind of arrogant, which isn't me. And I think he's just writing from his perspective. And I realized, you know, I need to get my hands in here and I need to really like dive into every word that's in this book. Um, if I want it to sound the way I want it to sound. And, um, so yeah, I, there were a lot of long nights of, uh, you know, on the phone with him and sitting there on my computer editing stuff that he wrote. And, um, it, it was, at the end of the day, it was a lot, but it was it was fun, and it, I think for me, you know, the finished product is something I'm really happy with and proud of, and I, you know, I hope my family and you know, some my dad would appreciate, and you know, I, I didn't I didn't do it to you know make other people happy or try to tell a fake story. I just kind of told mine, and it, it was very uh, genuine and very real, and uh, I feel good about it, and it, it was a fun process. You know, I think editing sometimes is like remodeling, though. It's easier to build it than to remodel it. And so when you said you had to get in there, (laughs) sometimes it's almost easier to write parts of it and be like, this is what I'm saying, instead of trying to get in there and rejigger, especially, you know, tones like, you know, a tone of someone's voice is, is so nuanced. So maybe you could just share a little bit about you had, you had an interesting, you know, dynamic and, and, childhood your parents divorced when you were very young and um it sounds like your great grandfather your grandfather and your dad were all you know pretty you come from a pretty intense group yeah they were all junk men yeah i mean yeah. that's that's no joke so for me i was like oh this that place was as much a character in your life as some of the people in your life so maybe just sort of set up the dynamic about just your family life I hear what you're saying. I mean, you know, being being in a junkyard is, uh, in my opinion, about as blue collar as it gets. Um, you know, I, I I would go to school with my mom. I kind of talk about that in the book. I, I you know, she lived in you know the suburbs, and I go to school with her, and I'd live with her, and uh, kind of this normal life, right? And then you go, then I'd go to Springfield, and it was anything but that, you know. Uh, my dad treated me like a grown man when I was, you know, 14, 15 years old. I remember he made me get my temps for like a scooter so that I could drive like a motorcycle license you can get when you're 15 so that I could drive to the office myself. And then I would open the office for him so he could, he'd be like, you know, it's your responsibility. Um, and that just started at a very young age, um, whether it be opening the office or, or kind of having a job, um, I just learned early on the accountability to show up every day and, and work hard. And um, it wasn't just the work in the junkyard, but it was, you know, we're going to work hard all day at, in the yard. And then, you know, we're going to go work out. We're going to go run. We're going to go train where, you know, you don't get to, you know, have the day off because because you, you had to do some physical work that day. And you just learn, you know, for me, early on that this is what you have for the day. And no matter what happens along the route, you know, you, there's no excuse that you, you get to just tap out of, of what you set up for yourself. And um, that was kind of something that we did all the time. But, you know, early on, I, I do want to say the, the junkyard was like a playground. It was uh, what a cool place for a young kid to grow up in, um, learn how to drive cars and, and play paintball and, and, you know, wreck and stuff. It was, it was really awesome. But I think the uh, the work ethic stuff will never leave me for, you know, the stuff that we did on a daily basis. It was just a bunch of craziness. And, um, you know, 
really made me not worried about getting my hands dirty. I, I, you know, you can, you can always wash your hands and uh, you can always, you know, wipe off the sweat and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So uh, yeah, it was, it was a great place to, to learn work ethic and discipline and, and get a little grit about myself and uh, really learn accountability. I would say. In the book, you get the idea that besides a father and son connection, that there's this language around, the discipline and, and the training, even the running and the doing, and of course, rugby. I mean, your dad was incredibly passionate about rugby. You were playing with older guys when you were younger. Is that, you know, were those the places that you met? I think we have relationships with all people that we sort of meet in certain places. And do you think that that was where you and your dad met? And and there was something there was something else that was very telling, like you saying, okay, him giving you the responsibility and treating you like adult. You you talked about that he would praise you subtly, but in person, never embarrass you, like uplift you in a really, I thought it, it just sounded very beautiful for how intense and sort of tough your dad seemed. Um, so I was just wondering, you know, the languages just being together and building a framework of a relationship around that environment. Like with the, yeah, I mean, you know, with, okay, to, we're to running. First, we're... Right. So first answer, I would say, you know, you asked, did I learn him through those processes and those experiences? And I would say, you know, really that showed me what true authenticity was because he was genuinely the same person, whether it was work, whether it was, you know, training, whether it was rugby, he was genuinely himself there was no facade. Um, you know, I think especially nowadays, the, the people don't even know how to be themselves. And, um, you know, I learned from him that it doesn't matter what we're doing or who we're around, you know, being comfortable in your skin. And, and that's what it looked like. You know what I mean? And I, I had a great up close, almost, it was a little too much for me sometimes, but uh, that was a great, great lesson in itself. So in a way I would say, you know, we learned how to work when it was time to work. We really like worked, but he was just like that about, about everything. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know the, the, you know, rugby, the, the running Hills, all that stuff. He, he was very encouraging. Um, I think at the end of the day, you know, what was important to him was a, a, a toughness Um and to, to go out and, and do everything the best you can. And that's kind of where he left it. And that's all I had to do to make him happy was kind of, you know, put myself out there. We talked about vulnerability earlier, but to put myself out there and, and really give everything I have and, and see where my line was with whether it be in conditioning, like where I would fatigue at, and really see where my standard was to try to push that bar. And, um, I really knew where my my standard was, where my line was, where my max strength was, where my condition was at, because I would give everything I had, and I think, uh, you know, I think that's what mattered most. So, someone, you know, in me personally, to to give everything I have, that's kind of just something in me, I think, um, and it was easy to to please him, and he would, you know, confirm that uh, very positively, and he'd let me know if I was, you know, are you really is that, is that the best you can do? Um, but he was never, he would never really beat me down about stuff. Uh, you know, it, it was always kind of, you know, here's what I have presented in front of you. Do you want to do it? If not, we, you know, we don't have to do it, but he'd say a speech about how everybody else is going to get better. And this is an opportunity to, you know, you know, get myself to where I need to be, to be one of the best players and all that. And then obviously I was, like I said, I was a very willing kid, I wanted to, to make people happy. And that was, uh, you know, f- from that, I would always, I'd always say yes, you know, but, uh, with that, all I had to do was really, like I said, give, give everything I had to it. And, and he was very encouraging. So it, it was great. It was great to see. You have a, he has a, uh, a, be- a really beautiful framework where you say that you, you spell love a, a certain way. And I, I really appreciated that because I think your dad showed that as a parent, that it was with time and it sounds like even though I know he was tough, that the, the amount of time that he um, invested with you, because that's the thing. It wasn't, it didn't, it didn't come across like just in you. It sounded like your dad was with you 
Different than just like, yeah, no, okay, I'm taking my son here and there and, you know. No, yeah, he was, he was present. He was yeah. present in, in everything that we did. It wasn't, uh, you know, I'll get you a gift and I'm not around or, you know, we'll watch TV together and not say a word to one another. You know, when I, when he said time, it was really activities. Uh, you know, we didn't have the cell phones and stuff back then, but you know, even if we did, he would have been the type to say, put it away. Like, let's, you know, we're, we're doing this. And uh, like you said, he was very, very present. And, um, you know, I, again, another attribute and, and just being a human being that, um, is very enticing. It's, it's something you like to see when someone is present, when they're with you and, and, you know, they, that you have their, their attention and, um, people are drawn to that. And, uh, you know, he, he was a good example of that. And he was like that with me. And, and like you said, love is spelled T I M E. That's what he would always say, whether it was, um, you know, us doing an activity together or him coming to support me in an activity I was doing, uh, or going on a vacation. It was, it was just time. It was time spent together. It was time diving into each other's lives. And, you know, he was like, we said present and he was involved in, in everything that I did. He knew about everything. You know, there's, I think about some of the parents nowadays and they've got kids, you know, under their roofs that they really don't know what's going on in their life. And they're with them every night, and every day. And it's like how present and how deep are you into their actual life? Like what's going on? Like he knew, he knew everything because he took that time. And eventually, you know, I would say we became, we, we were best friends because of that. And, um, you know, it all comes back to, to his actions and, and spending that time. It's interesting when you say that it's like, no, because you're, you're, you know, you're married and, um, there's something interesting though, that I often wonder, cause I'm married and I have three daughters and there, I do think like if someone said, um, okay, pros and cons, like whatever of any situation, you always want to focus on, on the pros, obviously I would say sometimes there's an interesting dynamic if the parents are not together that in some ways there does appear at times, especially if the parent helps create the environment for almost more intimacy or that, that connection with that child, because sometimes, you know, because they tell you as parents, like, Oh, be, you know, a consolidated front and you can be close to your kids, but there is something really beautiful or one of the pros I, I, I think is that relationship at times between a, a, ch- a child and, and the parent, if the parents aren't together. And I, I know he, you know, had a partner, but I, I just think there's something kind of interesting um, about that. Do you, why were you compliant though? Like you're strong and I'm sure when you went through periods at 13 or 14 or 15, why do you, do you think it's because your dad treated with you with so much respect and you believed like, Hey, this is a good way that you were like, all right, I'll go along with this. Um, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, innately in me, it was it's in me to kind of make people happy, make them proud. Um, I think then you look at just the dynamics of a father son. You know, he's my he's my hero. He's my the guy I look up to, and and I think um, as close as we were together, he was really had my best interest. I wouldn't think he would have me do something that wasn't my best interest, and I trusted him with that. And um, you know, I had belief in what he preached to me every day and he had a consistent message that will span not only days and weeks and months and but years and uh he was very consistent with who he was and um what he wanted for me and that stuff didn't change and uh with that i think it's easy to lean into when you know you've got somebody like that that you have that trust with that you know you believe has your best interests at heart and with that i i did i just leaned into it and um to go back on your other point, though, I think parents being separated, it is a little bit easier, you know, because he could come see me for whatever week or two that I was in Springfield or come to Columbus for the night. And then he'd go home and he could check out and do his thing with uh, my stepmom and um, live, live that life. And, you know, my mom had me and she got a break. So, yeah, I absolutely think in a way, yeah. as long as the parents, you know, uh, together, even though they're separated, their best, their, their main focus is the child. Uh, and their time with their parents, um, then yeah, I think it almost in a way is a little easier to get intimate in that in that case. But even so, 
you know, I have friends who have divorced parents and their parents don't go out of their way to take action and, and dive into their children's lives. It's like, well, I got to go pick my kid up. And then they, you know, they do, he's got the, they got the iPad in the back seat, and then they get him home and then they start playing games or go to their room in that house. And, uh, you know, he took, he took action and, um, you know, I think that was a conscious decision that he made every day. And, uh, whether your parents are together or not to, to take, make a con- conscious decision to take the time out of your own life to, to do something with that, your, your kids or whatever. Um, I think it's extremely important. Um, it's, I mean, I can't understate how important that is in, in not only youth development, but just building a, a strong relationship with your children. You married your college sweetheart, Chelsea. And let's fast forward. Let's say you guys choose to have a family and you have, you have a son. Do you think you have, do you have it in you to be, I don't want to say tough on your own kids, but let's say tough on your own kids, the way, you know, things were tough on you. Cause I, that's always an interesting kind of go across yeah. the, the boat, especially you've had, you've had a certain level of success you know, you've done it at a certain level. You yeah, wonder, yeah. um, do you ever wonder about that? Yeah, I, I actually do. I think uh, my biggest challenge will be not being too hard on them. And, uh, you know, my dad wasn't on me, but I was also very willing. You know, it was kind of a very symbiotic relationship in the sense that he would drive me, but I would answer the call. I didn't fight back and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I do get weary that I will be such a driver um, sometimes that, you know, I, I think something I always think about is that I want my kids or kid to have their own life and I'm not going to dictate what they do. I just want to help them in whatever they choose um, to not only make the right decisions and put them in the best position for success, but really support them in any way that I can. And, and the end goal has nothing to do with me. It is not my decision. You know, I'm there to support them and um, get help them reach their potential and whatever that is. And I, I just, I just hope, you know, I, I can be, I wear people out because there is no, um, you know, no mercy in a sense. I'm just like, if this is what we're setting out to do, we're doing it until we get there. Right. And, um, some people don't see it that way, so I can wear them out, but I just hope, uh, you know, I have a little more grace and a little more, um, you know, I guess patience and stuff to, to, to be, to have that, you know, grace for the child to, to let them, you know, they might not be like me in that sense. So we'll see. I'd say that'd be my biggest fear. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, sometimes, you know, it's interesting. I, I admit like I fumbled to where I was in sports, you know, on my own, cause it was an opportunity and nobody pushed me. And I married somebody who has a genuine love affair for their own sport. And so even having kids, three daughters, because you know, this sports doesn't make you, um, doesn't necessarily make you happy. We know plenty of athletes that it, it may not even bring out the best in them or, um, they're done at 40 or whatever. And then they have all these years after that they're, they're either like an incomplete person. They didn't develop kind of the full spectrum, but it is interesting because I didn't grind out. I have three daughters on my girls and, um, one, in fact, my youngest is 13. She's pushing against, she's quite tall. She's six feet, you know, I'm six, three and, and she's like totally built for volleyball, you know, and she has said clear as day. I don't want, and it's also the pressure maybe because I had no pressure. There was nobody. I, if I went, they were like, that's cool. I don't want to be like you. And I'm like, I totally get it. You know, like I want to do my own thing. But you wonder sometimes like your dad created this incredible environment for you that also you responded to. And then, you know, this next 20 years of your life, your whole life also, you can trace back to exactly how you're connected to that. And so I'm always interested on like, if we put them in this environment, will they do it? And then, or vice versa. And obviously daughters are different than sons, but that is always, I want to, I want to talk to you in like 15 years and then see um, where you're at with that. So what do you think about, you just said something interesting 
Which reminds me of a question. You said, you know, a lot of times well, you might grind. I want to make a point on that that I feel like strongly about is that okay. one, I hope that your kid doesn't, isn't doing it for the sole reason that I just, my mom did and I feel pressure to, to do that, you know, experience it for yourself and whatever experience you have with that, you know, if you don't like, it, you don't like it, but if you do, you, you could be very good at it. My think about my dad and rugby, we had very different, like right. we, we bonded over rugby, but like once I started to play, like I saw the game in a completely different way than he did. And mm-hmm. we shared the game, but like, I had my own things I was passionate about with the game. It wasn't, and I didn't feel, in a way, I felt like I had to live up to his physicalness in the game. But again, that was kind of something yeah. in me. But yeah, I mean, there were my own experience I drew from that. But overall, I, I would say I don't think it's necessarily sports in general. I just think sports do such a good job of like really putting people in an uncomfortable place where they have to find out who they are and how much they really want something and how hard they're willing to work. And it's very cut and dry with sports and it really, you know, pushes your boundaries and makes you uncomfortable. And that's really the best thing about sports to me, but I don't necessarily think sports is the only thing that can do that. I mean, there's so many things in our lives that we can experience that can really push you and make you uncomfortable and find out about yourself and, and find out, you know, all kinds of things that, um, might be a different experience uh, altogether, and I just think you need to you just need to find that through the processes of uh, you know getting uncomfortable and really understanding what work ethic is. Um, you know, I don't I don't want to be a junk man. Like I don't want to live in a, work in a junkyard the rest of my life. But I found out what it's like to get your hands dirty and really like work hard all day. But that those experiences taught me what it is to really work, what it is to really grind. So I guess I would say. It doesn't have to be sports. It could be anything, but it's it's those fundamentals, those character building things that you have this strong foundation in as a as a person that you can lean on whenever you're doing whatever you choose to do in your life. And I think that's what's important to find. I totally agree with that. Here's an interesting thought. Regardless, that is you're correct. We have to create a framework where we can navigate challenges. It's just the way it is. And, but what's interesting is your children will grow up and their father will have won Super Bowls and played in the NFL. And so there's something interesting that you won't understand because you didn't grow up with that and you won't know until they're here. And because we think, oh, I gave them opportunity. I provided them here. I'm here. It's all these things. But I think it's very interesting, especially if it's a son where you you go yes but you didn't you weren't born into a situation that they had a father that uh outwardly succeeded so much so that is always an interesting um kind of lesson i mean and i think about that with my upbringing in turn you know my dad plays in my level rugby but at the end of the day he was a junkyard man and you know i had those experiences because he was a junkyard guy and I, I got to go to the junkyard and really learn about that. If I had a kid right now, like I don't have a junkyard to take him to, to really get, get his hands dirty and, and teach him what hard work is. And I think about those things. So not only, you know, that side of the discipline and the work ethic, but also, like you said, I can't, I won't be able to relate to someone whose parent is achieved a, a lot in most people's eyes. And I think that's on me to make them understand that, you know, what other people see me as that doesn't hold any weight. That doesn't matter. That doesn't, that doesn't pay my rent. You know, it's, it's cool. And I've had success. And, but uh, at the end of the day, the person that I am and what I do on a day to day basis, how I work, how I go about life, how I treat other people, that's the important stuff. That's, that's what my foundation is based on. And that's what my child I hope has a good foundation in. And, and it's not about, just reaching success so people like you. Like I, I just want to instill that in them that like that just doesn't matter at all. Um, and I'll try my best. I have to tell you, I don't think you're going to come across as somebody who's you know trying to like impress anybody. You to me, you come across as you know hardworking and and uh, sort of there for a purpose. And so I think your modeling will be <laughs> no problem. 
I, I wonder somebody, I heard this, this question once and, and you're the only other person besides one other person that I thought that this pertains to, which is like, you're on a mission, you're on a program. Do, do your, do most everybody, not everybody, of course, but do people have to kind of be sort of along for the ride in that way? Because you don't really have that much time, you know, like, I've experienced that with Laird where Laird is on a mission, right? And there's only so much time to get in what I really see to do. So if you're going to be my friend, like we're going to have to train together or something because we got to go, you know, we got to roll. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think my wife could speak to that. The sacrifices that she's made through the stuff that I've chosen to do with my life. Um, But at the end of the day, Everything in my life has taught me that if I want to succeed, because I've gone through the, you know this being my formula, if I want to succeed, and then you know here I am, and the space in between, I know what I believe I have to do. I'm going to do everything in my ability to do those things because if it doesn't work out, I don't want to have regret in the sense that I could have done things differently, or I could have tried harder, or I could have you know, like I said, done things differently. So. I want it. I want it to, to, you know, if it doesn't work out, it didn't work out because it wasn't meant to be. It had nothing to do with me. I gave everything I had to it and I can sleep at night knowing that. And with that type of belief and process, yeah, anyone who's involved in my life needs to understand that about me because, you know, I will sacrifice everything. I say that in my book. If you, if you want anything in life, you can achieve it if you're willing to sacrifice everything. And if I am truly driven to achieve something, I will sacrifice literally everything. And, you know, I think that people in my life understand that about me. But if, if you don't understand that about me, you, you would find that out because, you know, I, it's just like I'm unwavering when it comes to things like that. I, I just won't compromise with, you know, the effort and in, in the, in the plan. So yeah, I would say it would be tough. I mean, obviously I, I appreciate my wife so much for what, you know, she's done to, to keep us together. She's, she's the best. I, I have a friend who has a, in a different way, he's, you know, sort of in pursuit of a mission. And I asked his wife, um, cause she works with his business and stuff like, and she, there's a lot of moving parts and she's like, I believe in the mission. And I think, for somebody who gets to be around someone like you who is willing to put it all on the line because not many people are, I think a lot of people can get behind that because it is unique. And it also, it can be, you know, misunderstood or lonely, meaning a lot of people can't hang around. So I think it's, it's interesting, you know, that you have both, right? Like you'll have people that are like, okay, I'm, I'm on board. And then you'll be, you know, you'll be moving through and a lot of people just won't be able to stick around. And, and I think it takes a special person, a, a unique type of person that can, that can do that. Let's talk about you just as a, as a, hmm? I was just going to say, I agree. I think the person with you needs to see and believe in, in what you're doing or else they're going to become a distraction and it's going to become a problem rather than someone supporting you. Um, and you need that support um, through, through the, the tough, tough stuff you go through when you're really trying to achieve some, something special. So uh, that is important to see it the same way. When Chelsea, let's say you're going through the bumps and you're going to show her, you know, we always show our partners or, you know, our clo- the closest people kind of the real, the stuff. What would you say that she as your partner no, like knows how, I don't want to say diffuse, but, you know, can manage around what, it, what's the, what's the dance that makes that work? Um, for me, sorry about the phone in the background, but for for me, I would say I can get very obsessive. I can get very, um, I just won't stop thinking about my end goal and, you know, something that's in the way or something I got to do. Um, for me, she is a distraction. And I'd say that's the best thing for me. Uh, she's not super needy or anything like that. But, um, you know, I would say I'm the quiet one and she's the talkative one. And, uh, when I come home, you know, I get to hear about all the things she's got going on in her life, which that, that's something that's important to me and, and was important to me in finding a partner was that they had their own life. Like they weren't living through me because, you know, the energy you put 
into your into your day to, to achieve that goal to come home and have somebody just waiting to suck more energy out of you uh, is, is hard so I, it was important to me that she has her own life and, and her own thing she's trying to achieve and what she does but with that the balance is I get to listen to her tell me about all those things and it's it's a distraction from uh, so she doesn't ask me a whole lot about what I have unless she can tell I want to talk about it and for me I just you know, she's a, a very refreshing distraction because, like I said, I can be obsessive. And, you know, it's funny you, you bring that up because I was in training camp here and came out a couple of weeks kind of late to the season. And she, she was back in Ohio and was waiting to come out and obviously dealing with some injuries, coming in late, just getting ready. Like I'm my, I could be my own worst enemy when I'm in a room by myself, when I'm not at work. Like when I get to work, I'm good because I, I – can do it but when i'm just sitting there i just i can overthink because I, I, I don't have enough distraction so she's she's been great for me for that do you have fun do i have fun with what <laughs> the fact that you even ask like do you do you do you know how to just and this is by the way this is not a judgment this is like an ongoing mm-hmm. like this is a joke in my house my husband knows he goes to bed at eight thirty, whatever. But I'm also the, in a certain way, a different kind of grinder. He's like, "Oh, there's the goat. She's on the path. She's down the road." Like, no, let's take a spontaneous turn. He's like, "Nope, there goes the goat. She's still on the path." I mean, do you have like, do you know how to just be like, "Woo, have fun," you know? <laughs> yeah, I would say no. I'm not very. I'm not very good at that. I I do. I you know I like to. I like to compete even in a friendly way. I like to play golf and me and my friends will do some stuff that's just kind of like, we'll just make it a competition, but it's always a friendly competition. But like, I probably wouldn't go out to dinner if it wasn't for my wife. And uh, I probably, you know, I like to do ski trips and snowboarding and things like that. Like I'm, I would say I'm more of an adventure seeker than I am someone looking to just have, have fun. Um, Frivolous fun. No frivolous fun. My mom is always like, you just, you know, you just won the Super Bowl, and I just feel like you should be more excited about it. And I'm just like, I, I am, and it's great. But I guess when I think of, like, the successes, it's more than the moment of the success. It's the accumulation of all the work and the days and the dreaming about it before you even got in a position to do it and, and the, the hurdles you had to go through in the process. And, you know, reaching it and really believing you would reach it is is, is really the, you know – satisfaction that I have is that I believed I gave everything I had in it and I did it, you know, or I was a part of a great team and we, we achieved greatness. Like, I don't know, I guess I've never been a jump for joy and and cheer the loudest one in the room. That's never going to be me. Um, But I, you know, and I find, you know, happiness and and, and joy through probably deeper level meanings of of things. Um, you know, I love to watch movies. I, me and my brother, he's a pretty, he's a pretty smart dude, but we, I love to just sit. We love to just talk about the movie that we saw. And, um, I get joy out of that. I don't know why, but, um, I do. It's just all, all in my own, in my own way, probably different than others. With the movies, is it, the, is it, first of all, do you have a favorite movie? And I knew you were a movie buff. Um, but do, is there, do you have an all time favorite movie? Or like, how about top three? Let's not have you choose. Let's not choose. Top three are probably Blade Runner 2049. I would say The Matrix, the first one. And, you know, I'd probably go with either Inception, probably Inception or Interstellar right in there. And maybe Sicario. We'll just give you my top five. And probably the movie Sicario. I liked that movie a lot, so. Yeah, little actions. I like suspenseful movies. I like the, I like you know, really deep, detailed movies. You know, I appreciate the work that goes in to make those movies as good as they are. The detail that went into the dialogue and everything. I, you know, rom coms aren't for me. They just, I, the, you know, we can do without that dialogue or not or this scene. I just those don't do anything for me. You know, you get two hours to do it. Pack it in and let's just see what you can come up with. You know, that's what I love about movies. What do you think you've learned as a partner, boyfriend, husband, now husband? What, cause you have systems that work for you. And I always love talking to people who like, they know certain things that work for them. But then as you kind of get move in through life a little bit, you kind of, you, you learn new things and you, you make these small tweaks or adjustments. Is there anything as a partner or a husband um, just that you you go like, oh, I used to do it like this, but now I've learned that this kind of works better. 
I would say the first thing that comes to mind is really the understanding that everyone doesn't think like I do. And that, you know, like I said, I can wear people out. I can grind them up because that's just how I do it. And I guess I need to give a little more, maybe, I don't even want to say empathy, but because I, I believe I am empathetic when it really calls for, for being empathetic. You know, my wife wants me to be empathetic because, you know, you know, her, her, her nail got cracked on the table or something. But to me, you know, there's, there's major things that, des- you know, deserve the empathy. But no, I think I just, I really have learned that, you know, we've talked about like love languages and things like that and how I perceive love and how I perceive, you know, my dad's example is of spending time with someone, you know, that is a love language. And that's how I perceive someone else, you know, loving me or giving me love and, and, unconsciously you reciprocate it the way that you want it but people see love differently than you so you need to learn how they perceive love and give them what they want as love not because you expect it a certain way that they expect it the same way right so I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned is that you know like obviously I have things that are important to me and Chelsea has things that are different and important to her and and uh, I need to to show her the love that she she deserves, I need to do what she wants, not not how I think it should go. And uh, there's compromise in that. And uh, but at the end of the day, if you really do love someone, you you want to make them happy, so you want to do the things that make them happy, and you find out about that person. Yeah, I would say learning their love language. If your partner will say like, "Hey, um, reasonable something reasonable," that you just go, "Yeah, why wouldn't I work on that?" You know, it's like they're not being unreasonable or demanding. And I think sometimes when people go in, even with the attitude of like, okay, I'll, yes, I will try. I think that that ends up being half of it. So I, I would be remiss not to sort of get into some of your technical. I think people's problem with that is they make when, when you say, can you work on this? They make it about in a way they take it personal and they make it about them, but really it's about making the other person happy. You know, it's not like that you have a problem with you. It's just like, that's what I would like. And that's what would make me happy. And that's fine. I wouldn't do it that way. I'm not saying you're right or I'm, I'm right, but that's what you want. So I'll do it that way. You know what I mean? So. Well, like I'm, I'm an only child. And so like my husband is more tactile and I, I like, I'll love you. Like I'll just organize your whole life for you and have everything dialed for you. But he just like, if I put my hands like, you know, on him and I'm like, that's reasonable. Like I can do that to your point. It is, it's not what is we are not doing. It's what they're asking for. And the fact that they're willing to ask is, is a pretty great thing. Cause they're showing there's, they're being vulnerable, you know? Absolutely you know, you have performed for so many years. I need to ask just some, you know, kind of technical questions because it's an opportunity. Um, if, you know, there's, if you have with your food or your training, your off season, like obviously it's different. You're not trying to thrive in football in the middle of competitive season. You're trying to stay, keep it together and, and keep performing week after week. But in your off season, do you sort of take off a period of time to recover and then get back at it hard to try to make gains? Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, I like to think I do, but when I really reflect honestly about my off seasons, it's been like, I just go so hard and it's just kind of been in me and to a fault, I would say. I mean, it's kind of been to my detriment in a way when I look at where I'm at now. You know, my body does feel more worn out than it typically does. And you wonder about going hard all those off seasons, doing all the things that I did uh, 2016 off season, straight from the AFC championship, two weeks later, going to train with the Olympics, going a whole season, doing that straight into another NFL season. There really was no break. 2020, I went out to go train again, but COVID canceled the Olympics. I did it again last year. I mean, I, you know, half the time in New England, not even half the time. I'm, I mean, almost every year we went to at least the AFC Championship, which is into end of January, if not the Super Bowl into February, and the off-season program starts in like early April. So it's like I don't know that I've had a lot of rest, if I'm being honest. Um, but I, I wouldn't change it. You know, I think uh, that's who I am, and and grinding is is how I've had success. And I, you know, I probably wouldn't change even if I, if I knew it was better for me. But I, I like you said, like 
for me, as I've gotten older, I, I would, I'd say I, I took more time away from just pounding and running and uh, the things, you know, for me, I think everyone's different. My, my issue has been um, like my knees, right? So the hard decelerations, the, the squatting super heavy, um, just doing DB drills over and over and over again, um, banging my head against the wall. And as I've gotten older, you know, you've got to have trust in your skill set and your fundamentals of stuff you've worked on for years and that it is like riding a bike and you will come back. And after a couple of reps, you'll be right. You know, you have to have trust in that because if not, I would just, you just wear yourself thin. Right. Um, I think that's been the hardest thing for me is to back off the, the, the training, uh, because I just have not known any other way my entire life, but, um, I need to know it's, it's for the, for the right reasons. Um, I've all always loved the weight room. It's kind of something that, you know, I've been around my whole life with my dad and, um, I'll always be someone who lifts weights. Um, I think I've always done that in all seasons to maintain my strength. And, uh, I, I, with rugby background, you know, having a cardiovascular base, that's pretty heavy. I feel like that's important to me too. So, you know, I've always been pretty good with that. Like I said, I think I'm a bit of an overtrainer if I had to, had to be honest. Um, when it comes to like nutrition, you know, if there's anything in life I'd say I'm pretty blessed with, it's that I can pretty much eat anything and not have any issues. So, uh, I have, I have done some, you know, my, my wife's done a lot of fitness stuff with, you know, making plans, diet plans, uh, training programs and whatnot. So I've done some diets with her. Um, I've, I've come to found for me doing, doing type of like a, a keto ish diet where, you know, I'm kind of lower on the carb, but I'm, I'm really heavy on the, the, the fats and stuff, uh, especially early in the day. My energy level is just like holds out way longer than, you know, if I had pancakes for breakfast that, you know, I'd want to crash by, you know, eight thirty you know, nine in the morning, I'd be ready for a nap. So I've learned that about myself. But at the end of the day, nutrition is something I've been pretty lucky with uh, that I can kind of eat whatever and I, I can eat as much as I want. Um, and, you know, it's hard for me to gain weight. So, uh, if the, yeah, if there's one thing I was blessed with, it was that I can kind of eat whatever I want. Aside from that, managing managing my health is, is really, especially in the last few years and as you've had injuries and you rehab and, you know, I've had everything under the sun, I feel like, and it's just like, getting yourself in a place that come, come season, you are the best version of you and, you know, not putting yourself back in the off season uh, because you're doing too much that the season's going to be that much harder for you to perform at a high level because you, you've just done, you've done too much. So uh, it's a fine balance, but. Right. Keeping, keeping that momentum, but not doing so much that you're, you're, you know, making it impossible. Is there other athletes that have gone to the Olympics while actively being in the NFL? Has there been any, I mean, I know that, I mean, Olympic, not, not pro sports. I mean, like I know Dion played baseball, whatever. I mean, Olympics and NFL like you have. Um, I know there were some people who played in the NFL and then they went to the Olympics or they went to the Olympics and then they played in the NFL. Um, I'm not really sure that there's any active players who were under contract that you know were playing football for instance they left to go to the olympics and then came back under the same contract i don't i don't know especially not one super bowl i do know that so yeah that they got permission from belichick to go and and play in the olympics i read somewhere maybe it's in your book where he said that you were you know sort of like a top five percent of the athletes that he's coached um, I'm, I feel like I'm, not, I'm getting that close to, he said, to what I, you're like top, whatever percent of the athletes that he's coached that from where they started when he first got them to the growth that they've had from, from where they were later in their careers that I, that basically I had a lot of growth, uh, as a player. That was one of the more memorable players for him. Yes, I think, and, and I, th- I do think it was five percent. And from a guy like that, um, I mean, that's saying a lot. So I, I want to encourage people, especially. I, I just feel the, you know, the book finished strong, and um, you know, we didn't, we didn't mention, um, and you can frame it whatever way is comfortable for you. But that um, your dad actually, you know, passed away, and you know many years ago, maybe 12, what, uh, 14 years. It was 2008. 
and yep. it, you, there was um, basically a robbery gone wrong in the, in the junkyard and you, you know, it got physical and he, he ended up dying of, uh, you know, brain trauma. And um, that was, you know, the right before I walked onto the football team at Ohio State. And that was in 2008. Um, I was 19. Yeah. Did you, like someone like you who is very stoic, where did you, where do you, how do you deal with that? Did you get angry? Did you, because you you come across even in the book, it's you're very stoic about it. What, how, where did you put that? Uh, I know I had a lot of trouble early on. I mean, uh, like we kind of alluded to earlier, he was kind of my best friend. I mean, regard you have your friends, but you know, I, I'd say this all the time. I'd put our father son relationship up against anyone. So it was a, a very special bond. So yeah, I was extremely angry for for a good month. I would say I was in a bad place. Um, you know, I had someone ask me about this. They said, what's your favorite part of the book? And I said, you know, I'd have to say my mom, um, you know, what she said to me when I was in that dark place, you know, telling me that, you know, he wouldn't want that for me and that um, he would want me to live a life that he'd be proud of. And he would hate to see, you know, my life be ruined because he was gone. And, uh, you know, just the strength that that took for her to, to, to conjure those words to her son who just lost his dad, his best friend. And, you know, she was in tears um, and she could have easily just coddled me and, and said, it's going to be okay. And, you know, I could have been angry and she could have just let me be. But, you know, she was strong enough to say what I needed to hear in a moment that I desperately needed it. And, um, you know, because of that, I think I really heard her and I I was on a mission ever since that conversation to live a life he would be proud of. And she definitely sparked that flame to, for me to go that, that route. But had it, had she not said that to me, maybe I do go the wrong way. I, I thought many times about going back to the junkyard cause we used to chase robbers. I thought I'd go get some myself. I'd, you know, take, take it out on them and um, kind of dropped out of school there for a second. Cause I just couldn't study. And um, you know, she, she put me on course and then everything that my dad had taught me to that point really was the engine to drive me through, you know, on the road that I needed to be on. But she put me on that path and uh, that probably, you know, without her and her strength, I don't know where I would be. So I have to say that that was one of the biggest moments in my life. So as a movie buff, have you ever seen my big fat Greek wedding? It may be too silly for you. Did you ever see that? I have not seen that. No. Okay. Well, they have a character, the dad, and he's Windex. He's Greek and he Windexes everything. Like the kid's like, I have a cut and he Windexes it. And like everything, Windex fixes everything. And it made me think of your dad with his duct tape. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was duct tape or if it was sports, it was athletic tape. You know, if it was in the junkyard, it was just grease, put, put more grease in it. You know, he was, yeah, he was very simple when it came to stuff like that. But, you know, if it was around the house and it needed, needed fixed, it was, it was duct tape could fix it. You know, it was, uh, but at the end of the day, I think that speaks to his idea of, you know, if it, if it works, it's good enough. You know, if it, the car starts and drives and stops, it's, it's good enough. If, uh, you know, the, the bed, is, is warm enough at night, it's good enough. And, and there were certain things for him that most things in life, it was very clear what just needed to be good enough. And then there were things in life that there's no compromising on. And that, that came to your work and how you treat people and, you know, the, the type of person you are. Yeah, yeah, that too. Um, right, right. So he, he, would, uh, he, would go, he would go hard, but but some things just don't matter. And duct tape was a good example of, you know, just put some duct tape on it. It'll be fine. That was his other one. It'll be fine. Well, Nate, I appreciate you putting your story in your book in finish strong. I know that takes a lot of work and that you are just a really stellar example of, of what's possible because a lot of the stuff you've done seems almost impossible. And, um, I just, I think, uh, it's just really important because a, a lot of times people are afraid now to, be that sort of direct about this is what I'm doing and I'm going to, I'm not wavering and I'm not compromising and it is hard and I'll grind it out. And you not only do it in the NFL, but then you go ahead and do it in rugby as well. So I just, um, I appreciate your, your time. And, and I don't know, do you think you're going to, I mean, when it's all done and said, who knows how many years out, do you think you want to coach? You have to, right? I think I would be good at coaching. Um, I don't know that that's where my, 
I don't know that that's where my heart is at, though. I think, uh, you know, once the dust settles and uh, everything clears and I'm at home and I really find out what I'm passionate about, I think that's going to be important. I think I need to reflect on what type of life that I want to live. Is it a life where I'm spent, you know, working uh, six in the morning till six at night, grinding on, on football? I don't know that it is. I've spent a lot of my life in football, and I think there's so much to experience in this world that I would hate to just, you know, look back and I'm 60 years old and all I've experienced is, is a football playbook, you know, and um, I think uh, I'm going to really have to do some reflecting, but I, I need to figure out the life I want to live. And, and that could be, you know, staying at home and being the best husband and, and hopefully father that I can be and um, give everything I have to that. Or it could be, you know, I'm someone who needs to be busy and I, and I want to see what I can achieve. And, and I'm really motivated to do that. I, I can't really answer that until the time comes. And I'm, I'm excited about that next chapter when it does come and uh, finding out more about myself because, uh, you know, that's what life is about is finding out who you are and what you're capable of. And um, yeah, it'll, it'll be the next chapter that I'm looking forward to. So wait, have you ever been in a movie? I just have to ask, has anyone put you in a movie? I have not been in a movie now. Okay. Well, when, when you come up for, you got to get like uh, your agents, I don't know some, I mean, come on, you, sh- you need to be at least go in, go be on a movie. That would be fun. Okay. I'll look into it. You know, I won't say it no. might be too I'll, much I'll waiting around it. for you, but you know, yeah, we'll see. That would be cool. I'm not, I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to it. So I really appreciate your time and um, I appreciate your story very much. Yeah, no worries. I'm glad I could tell it. I'm glad I got myself to a point where I had the platform to even tell a story like that. I tell, uh, told Brian this, like, I don't, I don't see myself as like a special person. I, I, th- I see life and people on a spectrum, you know what I mean? Like athletes on a spectrum, like there are people who are born who can't walk. They're just born that way. Right. And then there's people on the other end of the spectrum who, you know, they can eat whatever they want and they can not lift weights and they're just going to be as strong as they can be because their genetics just make them that way. I don't think I'm on that end. I'm probably somewhere in the, uh, well, I'm closer to that end, right? But I'm, I'm somewhere in the, the middle. But my work that I put into my life really can dictate a lot of that. You know, I think I'm very normal in that regard that you, you do have a say in the outcome. You do have a say in, in what can be changed and, and how you influence your own life. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think also there is a spectrum, though, for people's mental fortitude. And I happen to be on the one end of that where, you know, I'm I'm willing to go through a lot, I guess, mentally. And that has been a strength of mine and something I've leaned on. But because of that, I've been able to achieve some pretty cool stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I, I got to a place where I, like I said, had the platform to, to be able to tell that story. Yeah, and I think there's going to be a lot, you know, a lot of people who have had loss and it's just that reminder, you know, because it, it, okay. You, you're applying it in football and rugby, but you, you know, these, these ideas and, and such can be applied to, to so many things. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. Thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like rate, subscribe and leave us a review. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.